I'm Brian Hu. I'm Ada Singh. And welcome to Saturday School. When your friends are watching Saturday morning cartoons, you're being forced to learn Asian American pop culture history. Welcome back to Saturday School. This is our sixth season, and we're looking at Asian films about Asian America. This week, we're talking about a 1970 Taiwanese film called Home Sweet Home by Pai Ching Rei. One of the classics of Taiwan cinema of this period, what they called the healthy realist films that were mostly propaganda-esque films that were being funded by the government through its major studio, and that became hugely popular amongst audiences. Even though, obviously, we were not around in 1970 in Taiwan, we feel a little bit more of a personal connection to this one because this is probably our parents' generation. This film is about Taiwanese people who go abroad to America to study and what happens when they come back. My dad and then your parents came to the United States to study from Taiwan, and that becomes a theme that they talk about in the film. They talk about it in the film a lot. A lot. They talk about doctorate degrees. <laughs> They talk about how much money you're going to make after you get a job. It's no surprise where our parents get it from. <laughs> to me, that's what's always fascinated me about this film and others like it from the 1970s, because in some ways, this idea of our parents and their entire generation wanting to move to the United States from Taiwan, which was still like discovering itself and like figuring out like what kind of nation it's going to be and then going to like a completely uncertain place like the United States like what drove them to do that what were they watching in the 1970s that might explain to them what being an overseas Taiwanese person might be these films create a certain logic for wanting to go abroad and then for wanting to come back so my dad actually didn't stay in the United States he came here to study he had me and my sister And then soon after, he moved back to Taiwan. And I mean, like that was unusual. Like, I don't think there were a bunch of people like that around me when I was growing up. But there were other similar situations of parents that kind of were in between Taiwan and the United States. And this movie, Home Sweet Home, literally called Home Sweet Home, is basically the thesis of why somebody maybe should go back to Taiwan. Yeah, Home Sweet Home is not America. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> But interestingly, it's also not China. This is a generation... That post 1949, these were the decades in which people in Taiwan were telling themselves that we want to go back to China. Even though a lot of people, including our families, they're what's called Benson, right? like the people from Taiwan who've been in Taiwan for many generations. But like discursively, the idea of a Taiwan nation didn't really exist. That home was still China. And so for a movie like this to actually define home as Taiwan is rather fascinating too. I believe you have written a book on this type of stuff. <laughs> Was that smooth? Well, well, thank you, Ada. You are correct. Yeah, I mean, this is this is like an ongoing research project that I've been working on for like a decade now. I started off as a dissertation that I did when I was doing film studies at UCLA, which was just released as a book last year. It's called Worldly Desires, Cosmopolitanism and Cinema in Hong Kong and Taiwan. And I have a whole chapter all about this phenomenon. Weirdly enough, Taiwan in the 1970s had a whole genre about whether people should go abroad or not and what happens when they come back. And what I found was that these movies don't really have a unified answer to whether you should go abroad or not. What they were unified on were sort of the ethics of the nation. And Home Sweet Home is one variation on that. But I wanted to set things up a little bit because we've been talking about like PhDs and, and graduate school and, and things like that in Taiwan. And 
part of it is because there was a obsession at the time with wanting to go study abroad. In fact, one of the characters in the film, she's a side character, but she's just obsessed with wanting to study abroad. And she wasn't alone. There were manuals in Taiwan at the time teaching you how to best prepare for exams, how to prepare your applications to study abroad. It was like a whole cottage industry. But as a result of that, the government was starting to realize Wait, this might be a problem because as much as we want to develop our economy and our nation through extracting the knowledge from overseas, people aren't coming back. They're studying abroad. They're bringing glory to their families, but they're not bringing glory to the nation by coming back and utilizing their knowledge to build the domestic industry. Uh, so, I have some statistics. In 1960, so this is the decade before the film came out. 7.3% of students who were approved to study overseas came back. 7.3? Yeah, by 1965, it went down to 5.1%. Oh. So this was a brain drain issue. Taiwan was investing in these people. They were paying for scholarships, paying for travel, investing in the future of the country, and they weren't coming back. And interestingly, I mean, so Home Sweet Home came out in 1970. By 1973, it was up to 22.6% coming back. Wow. By 1975, it was up to 24.7% coming back. So about a fourth of people are coming back to Taiwan. I'm not saying it's because of this movie we're talking about, but it was part of a governmental campaign. This idea. Exactly. Yeah. That they wanted to put in the air. And some movies talked about, are you going overseas for the right reasons? That became a moral dilemma in a lot of these films. Are you going overseas just because you want to like become westernized? Or do you want to go overseas because you want to come back for the sake of the nation? And, and there are a lot of other factors involved with this, especially because Taiwan was undergoing all kinds of crazy diplomatic turmoil during this period. But maybe it works. The movie starts on a plane with a bunch of overseas Taiwanese people coming back home. We get kind of like a broad range of different types of folks, I guess, but they all are there to fulfill this ideal. Like you go abroad to get further education so you can be more competitive in the workplace. That's all very specific, right? <laughs> yeah, but you're right. There's a broadness in terms of their personalities and their demeanors and their westernization. Yeah. Like the degrees of their quote-unquote westernization. And that becomes where a lot of the, the comedy and then the, the intrigue of the film comes from. There's like a guy who's been in the U.S. for like 10 years and hasn't been back and doesn't plan on going back, right? And then there's people who characterize America as just like work, 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 and they want to come back to Taiwan. Mm -hmm. So this is after he's back in Taiwan. His family works on a farm. It's like magic hour outside. The scenery is beautiful. And he's looking around saying, like, I can breathe here back home. I work for IBM. By the time I get home, it's dark. And there's something about being back in Taiwan that makes him feel human again. So, I mean, that's a powerful argument for, for home. On the other hand, there's a couple in Taiwan. The man is working with athletes, so he has no desire to go to the U.S. The girl is like, you need to go to the U.S. and get your doctor degree. And he's just like, why are you pressuring me? <laughs> yeah, this is a classic example. She would be going to the U.S. for the wrong reasons. She just wants the status. Whereas the guy, he's like, I can build Taiwan from home. I don't need to go abroad to do that. Yeah, and then there's another couple where it's the woman that went abroad for work. She comes back, and you could just tell immediately that she's sexualized in a different way than local girls are. And it's definitely coded as she's picked up something from abroad. <laughs> you know there's that Netflix series called A Taiwanese Tale of Two Cities? Mm -hmm. I haven't watched all of it yet, but I think there's definitely that going on 
how many years later is this? <laughs> 50 years later. It's about like a Taiwanese woman and a Taiwanese American woman switch houses and it's about the differences in cultures and the Taiwanese Americans are definitely like having sex with lots of people, they're getting divorced. So I feel like this stereotype has hung on for 50 years. <laughs> and it's interesting to see like where it came from. There's a guy from Home Sweet Home that went to America and is coming back and he's saying, man, like American girls are so romantic. You can like kiss them on the first date. This guy is creepy. Uh, he's coming back because he's supposedly being set up with an arranged marriage, but he's immediately already like got his eyes on another girl. He just looks designed differently. <laughs> he doesn't look like somebody who would be local. Clearly, he's been brainwashed by America. They have a term in the film. There's something about like, you have a Western scent. That would be the translation. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's sort of like, you can't quite pinpoint exactly what it is, but you've got a flavor to you that is clearly westernized. And that's also gets coded as a certain corrupted sexuality. That's so funny. And it's not that like everybody who's overseas is corrupted that way. So for instance, we do have one character in the movie who is, I think we're going to classically call a Taiwanese American. Like she's the one that the guy marries in the US and is bringing her back home to show his parents for the first time. And they're so afraid that she has this you know, foreign scent to her. And they discovered, no, she's like a perfect Chinese wife. This quote-unquote good and this quote-unquote bad. I think what the film like this is trying to show is that overseas isn't fundamentally an evil place. Are you doing it for the right reasons? And are you allowing it to make you impure? And as long as you play by the rules of the nation and of purity, you're good. You can travel abroad. <laughs> so most of what we've talked about so far are characters where it's pretty clear morally where they stand. So either they are the good overseas students who find a reason to come back because Taiwan makes them feel more human. Or the ones who are clearly, they've been made to be corrupted, like they're sexualized and therefore they're bad overseas Chinese people. But there's the one character who's, who, the second half of the film is really about him. And he's played by probably the biggest star of his day. This is a guy who's been living in the United States for 10 years after he went to study in the United States. He's like published books about agriculture that have made him something of a celebrity among certain crowds in Taiwan. Um, so he's famous for being very smart, for getting his PhD abroad, and for being an expert in a way that has made Taiwan better. However, he had a wife and son in Taiwan before he left 10 years ago. And since moving to the United States, dun dun dun, <laughs> he married a white woman and had a kid. And the second half of the movie is, it's a little bit more torn. Like, what should he do? He has two quote-unquote proper wives and two quote-unquote proper children, sons, uh, no less. Which one is he going to choose? And I mean, obviously, the logic of the film is he must choose the one in Taiwan. But like, ethically, morally, like, we're not really sure what is the right answer for him. And so this is where the true melodrama of the film comes out. He goes back home. I, I think his worst nightmare was he goes back to Taiwan and discovers his wife has been waiting for him this whole time as like the perfect Chinese wife waiting at home, like ready to cook him dinner. She's been taking care of his son and making sure he gets good grades in school so he can get these scholarships and one day be as great as his dad. Like, he was hoping that the wife would hate him and like want to leave him or just feel like you've done me wrong. I don't want to be together anymore. Right. The few English that we hear in this movie, we hear his son like give him messages and we hear it in English, the son saying, Dad. Please get divorced as quickly as possible and come back to the state. I love you. And it's like just as pitiful. It's like, it's like, like both sides are so pitiful. Like the, the wife, who's like this long suffering wife that he's been disloyal to. And the other side, like this innocent boy too. Like he could never do anything wrong. He's like telling him, daddy, please get a divorce. 
That's really the only time we're tested as an audience about what is the role of overseas Taiwanese person. Well, spoiler, he, he comes back to Taiwan. He basically just abandons his American family. We never hear from them again. <laughs> and like, it's like one of these great, the last scene at the airport, like they're seeing him off to go back to the United States and, he's, and he makes a decision. He says, changes his mind. No, I'm going to stay for you. Melodramatically, like they've made this point just through pity, <laughs> this pitiful wife that he must stay. But he also like, he goes to like the construction sites in Taiwan. And I think he also sees around him like the nation needs him. Like that is, I think that's what tips the scale. Yeah, like on yeah. both sides, in terms of domestic drama, they're, they're kind of equivalent, right? Like they're just two sides that he feels like he owes. But what tips the scale is the fact that coming back can serve not just his own domestic peace, but like national growth. Yeah, and I guess you could sort of see that as a symbol in general of what you build in America and what you leave behind and what you choose. I mean, obviously, they chose an affair to make it a little bit more kind of scandalous for your melodrama. But like you go to America and you build this home for yourself and then you can also build a home for yourself in Taiwan and you have to choose, right? There's not one that's necessarily better than the other. Well, I mean, in this propaganda film, there is one that's better than the other, but you know, for like 75% of the people who didn't come back versus the 25% people who did come back, these are the choices they had to make. Right. And also, I, I think it's like for the majority of Taiwanese people who are watching this film at this time, they were also not the people who went abroad. Like they're not really showing this in the United States. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, they're showing it to Taiwanese people. And Taiwanese people, I think it's a lot easier for them to say, well, Taiwan's great. Like, why wouldn't you want to be here? And why wouldn't you want to help us? So I don't think the movie had to make too hard a case, but that's definitely the case they made. Yeah. Why did your dad go back versus staying? I think he, he he's never really put it in like patriotic terms, but it was in terms of family terms like he said that he wanted to go back to take care of his mom because his dad had just passed away oh which is still so home sweet home isn't it it <laughs> is still, you left some suffering woman in taiwan it's not his first wife yeah. but it's like a it's like a mother a poor pitiful mother his wife and kids were in the u.s <laughs> and i'm leaving a messages like daddy come back are you really <laughs> no i don't think i <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, from my side of the family, yeah, my parents were the 75% that didn't come back. And we do visit a lot, but I don't think my parents would have any desire to go back because by this time, America is their home, you know? In some ways, they are very Americanized in the sense of like, oh, like, oh, we can't go back to the summer. It's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of gets brought up with this guy, the character who has been in the U.S. for 10 years. Like, he goes back and he does talk about how hot it is. Yeah, he, yeah. Like, he wants to go to the nice restaurant, yeah. <laughs> like, the nice westernized restaurant. It just looks more comfortable for him. <laughs> So I would say it's because there's a tipping point. At some point, you stop being an overseas Taiwan student and yeah, you start you becoming become a, Taiwan a Taiwanese American. American. Yeah. yeah. And so this film isn't like sophisticated enough to make that distinction because I don't think that's a distinction that they were even talking about yet. Yeah. But it's sort of talking about like, how do we not get to that tipping point? Yeah, <laughs> how, do yeah. Make... how do we get them to come back? Yeah, while we still can. But it's weird because it's like at the same time as they're in America, they're always like on top of Taiwanese politics, always watching Taiwanese TV shows. So it's like it's not that they're disconnected. They're always going to consider themselves Taiwanese, right? But they just won't live there. There's so many more ways to be loyal now. That's not so dependent on where you are residing. Right, right. I, I, have your parents ever gone to Taiwan to vote? Yeah. Not every year, but they have. Yeah, that, that's such a perfect example of this. Yeah, my father-in-law actually spends half the year in Taiwan, and the half the year that he's in Taiwan, he's very involved in politics. 
Yeah, so you can think about that as he's found a way to return. They're definitely way more invested in Taiwanese politics than American politics. They'll follow both, but one of them you can tell is much more personal. Yeah, maybe it's, they haven't really gotten to that tipping point fully. Yeah. And maybe that tipping point is just not important to them. I mean, it's also about privilege. Yeah. Our parents are well off enough that you can, you can subscribe to the cable channels that give you access to home. And then you can fly back you know, like once a year, whatever it is. Yeah, and, and, and also what you're saying, like the fact that everything's more global now, like you can be like an Ang Lee and be in the U.S., but still brings so much pride to Taiwan. <laughs> but Ang Lee is the total fulfillment of a lot of these anxieties. Yeah. He's a happy ending to a story like this, to the ongoing story of Home Sweet Home. Yeah. How can we make sure that you are a proper Taiwan person from abroad? People in the Taiwan film industry still talk about Ang Lee in terms of what have you done for me lately? Like, yeah, it's great. You've done so much overseas. You're making all these Hollywood films. But have you come back to build the industry in the same way that this character in Home Sweet Home goes back and builds the construction industry? Ang Lee had to literally go back and reconstruct the Taiwan film industry through Life of Pi. Life of Pi is what re-cemented him as a proper Taiwan filmmaker because, he, yeah, it's a Hollywood film, but he built a set in Taiwan that can employ Taiwan film workers. So he did exactly what this character in Home Sweet Home does. Wow. Good job, Ang Lee. To fulfill his filial obligation to the nation. <laughs> yeah, so this movie is just endlessly fascinating to me. And it's fascinating for another reason that also relates to Ang Lee, as all things are on this podcast. <laughs> so the director of Home Sweet Home, Bai Jing Rei, like Ang Lee, he studied filmmaking abroad. He like sort of famously studied at a film school in Italy. So I think in his head, this idea of being an overseas student was not just a propagandistic ideal, but it was like a lived reality. He had to figure out where is his place within this equation of studying abroad and then being a good national subject. And so a lot of his movies were on this issue of overseas folks. And in my book, I talk about two other films that are also about people coming back from overseas and how that disrupts relationships or disrupts family structures. He has a film called Two Ugly Men. It's about a woman who has two ugly men who are interested in her. One of them is from overseas and one of them is local. And it's about how that clash ends up with tragic consequences. So yeah, so Pai Jing Rei was very interested in these kind of issues. He didn't just kind of thematically focus on it, but he found like a cinematic language to show just how wild all of this is. Like Home Sweet Home is stylistically rather bizarre. At first of all, it's like a ton of characters and it's like cross-cutting between all these different stories and some of them intersect, some of them don't really intersect. And then he has all these frame within frames. Like he'll split the screen up into one story on one side and another story on another. He has all these like crazy jump cuts, extreme slow motion. I mean, these are all like kind of experimental techniques that he's picked up from overseas. But he's showing just this crazed world where people are torn in all these different kind of directions and not really knowing how to break free of it. So yeah, Pai Jingwei was so good at capturing that sort of pressure cooker reality of being caught between different places. I'm really glad you were able to see this. How would you watch this if you didn't know Brian Hu, who had the VCD? Unfortunately, it's pretty impossible to find in the United States. So you'd have to go back to the homeland. You'd have to go back to home sweet home. Yeah, you could definitely get it in Taiwan. It came out on DVD a few years ago. Luckily, it's one of the few films from this era where it has been released with English subtitles, yeah. but not in the United States. <laughs> I know some universities have it, like especially if they have a strong <laughs> Chinese cinema program. We're going back to the films that you can't even watch. <laughs> <laughs> can't even watch. Can't even request for your library. But you know what you can request for your library? Brian Hu's book, Worldly Desires. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So shameless. <laughs> Taipei, 
Saturday School is a proud member of Potluck, a collective of podcasts that features stories and voices from the Asian American community. It's produced by me and Brian. Our logo is by Grace Talis Lee. Our theme song is courtesy of Rimsky Music and Premium Beat. Check out our website at SaturdaySchoolPodcast.com or you can tweet us. I'm at Ada Singh, A-D-A-T-S-E-N-G, and Brian's at Who's Brian, H-U-S-B-R-I-A-N. And our podcast Twitter handle is Wake Up Set School. Next week, your assignment is to watch the 1978 Japanese film, Take Me Away. Class dismissed.